This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. Linda Cohen along with you. Well, with the rash of mass shootings in this country over the last few decades, there has grown a greater awareness of the need for mental health services and interventions. However, resources for these all-important services are often strapped, largely underfunded, and not readily available. Here with an alternative initiative to address this need are Dr. Stephen Glatt. He's Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Upstate Medical University, and Dr. Sita Ramanathan. She's a psychiatrist with the New York State Office of Mental Health. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. Dr. Glatt, let me start with you. Um, we all know that mental health services have been cut over the last several decades. Tell us about that. What effect has that had? Well, I don't think historically anyone would point to a time to say where there was sufficient funding for mental health services. But now, since the financial downturn of a few years ago, things are particularly desperate. There's more and more need for these services, yet funding for the services is either flat or declining or not increasing in pace with the cost of providing those services. So more and more kids are falling through the cracks. Yeah, and one of the things, Dr. Ramanathan, that we mentioned in the introduction was, you know, with all the mass shootings, with Newtown, with all of the terrible mass shootings that have occurred in this country, you know, obviously not just the gun lobby, but many people have said, well, it's a mental health issue. But then when they turn and look at where the mental health safety net is, it's pretty, it's got a lot of holes. So this, there's a new effort afoot to try to extend or expand mental health support. Tell us about what that is. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Newtown shootings because that is where the whole um, uh, impetus started. Um, and it started with what is called, it, it, it was called, it is called Now is the Time, uh, which is what SAMHSA, which SAMHSA picked up, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Okay, so SAMHSA, mm -hmm. the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, right. is the sponsoring organization for this effort it's it's a sponsoring organization for this effort uh, and uh, as I mentioned it's called now is the time which which was I believe signed by President Obama uh, a few years ago and as part of that initiative um, a lot of programs were developed for the transitional age youth which is youth between the ages of 16 to 25 years uh, one of them one of them is the first episode psychosis program the second one is uh, a promotion of mental health first aid. So this is called Mental Health First Aid, mm -hmm. and it's a specific specific initiative, as you said, from this Now is the Time um, initiative. Right. And so funds were made available to try to target a specific age range. Is that right, Dr. Glass? That's right. So this age range, 16 to 25 years, is when we start to see clinically a lot of signs and symptoms of mental illness emerge. Schizophrenia, bipolar disorder can emerge a little bit later than that typically. But you start to see what are called the prodromal symptoms, the early symptoms, especially some of the signs like withdrawing from a lot of social activities, a, a child or adolescent or teenager not enjoying the things they used to enjoy, engaging with their friends and so on. Those can be early warning signs. They're not always destined, if they show those signs, to go on and have mental illness. Some of that is just part of normal teenage behavior. But we want to train people to recognize what's normal teenage behavior versus what may be problematic to reach out to those kids and then point them in the direction of the services that are available. So that's basically what you started to outline. So this program, First Aid Mental Health, first of all, what is it, Dr. Gladwell? I mean, what, give us an over, well, Dr. Ramanthan, what basically, what is the concept here? Are you taking lay people? I mean, who are you training? Mental Health First Aid is training for the lay people. 
the layperson is trained in identifying signs and symptoms of major mental illnesses. They are trained on the resources that are available in the communities. Oftentimes people can figure out that something is going wrong but don't know where to go for help. So they're trained in that and they're also trained to act in in some crisis situations before they before before you call 911 how do i address how do you address a person who's having an acute psychotic episode or is having an overdose so they're trained in addressing some of these acute situations as they wait for help to arrive um, and um, any layperson can um, can participate in this program but for now our program is just um, training people who work with young people. So youth workers. Youth workers. Youth development workers, people That's who right. might be in after school programs or, or have contact with that age range of student and that's what you've targeted to start with. To start but with. the program grew out of where? It's it's a global program. It's not just in this country. Yeah, it, it started in Australia in the year 2001 and since then I it's 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 been adapted by pretty much every country in the world. Uh, in fact, even in in our county, it's been going on for some time, um, uh, maybe around five or seven years. Um, it was. It's run by. It, it, the training is offered through contact. Uh, community, contact community services. services. Uh, and what we are doing is expanding the program. So the notion here is to try to, in a way, kind of extend or broaden the reach of mental health services, both by having early identification, but also by able allowing people to be more knowledgeable about the resources that do exist in the community. So if they have a youth that they have concerns about, they, they can know where to go. But they first and foremost have to know how to basically even recognize the signs, That's as you right. said. Yeah, so if your mom or your dad or family member or neighbor is a psychologist or psychiatrist, they're going to see a problem and you're going to get services right away. But for the average kid, that's not the case. And so the people who come in most contact with them are their teachers or school counselors or other people, as you mentioned, involved in youth organizations. They're the people who we want to train to kind of act as a, as a, 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 a scout for those problems and then refer those kids to the appropriate healthcare professionals. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm Linda Cohen along with psychiatrist Dr. Stephen Glad and Dr. Sita Ramanathan. And we're talking about a new international program that's called Mental Health First Aid. So the, the idea here is that now you're focusing on these basically youth workers, but the program was designed to really train, as you said, any layperson who has interest in learning this kind of thing. So what's involved in the training? Is it a long period of time? I mean, how, how much training is involved? It's an eight hour long workshop. Eight hours. It can be done in one day or split over two days. Um, and um, there are instructors who, um, it, it's very experiential, so they'll give you examples. They'll do a lot of activities to teach people about- uh, Like role playing. Role playing. Um, and um, so there, after, there is an the, after those two days, basically you are what certified. You are a first aider. You're a first aider. You're a first aider. You're and then are you also then supplied with an up to date resource uh, list, so to speak, of, of what's available in your community, so right. that you can also communicate that. You go home needed. with a manual and an updated list of resources. There are services available in our community, but the hardest part sometimes mm -hmm. for parents when their child is starting to show symptoms is where do I turn first? 
you know, so as a member of NAMI, I often advocate call NAMI. We can help put you in touch with these mm -hmm. services, yeah, too. Yeah, NAMI is. Yeah, National Alliance on Mental Illness. We have a very active Syracuse chapter. And when parents or loved ones of someone who has a mental illness need help, NAMI is kind of the safety net for those family members and to help them tell them about their stories, how I got services this way or that way. There's no formula really to getting services for your child when they're sick. You have to pull out all the stops, but it's best to dedicate your efforts in channels that are gonna work. So NAMI helps with that. Mental Health First Aid helps with that too. It points these first aiders toward the resources that are most likely to help the kids. So that how do people find out about NAMI for specifically? Would they go on a website or is, can we link to that website? For NAMI, example? NAMI is very active in the community, but you can go to NAMISyracuse.org and find out all about the activities there. Uh, they're undertaking now. And the idea here is because you do often hear, I mean, in response to the, the, the fact that this has even had to be started, is you, you hear in the general population people say, you know, I have a child with emotional issues, but I have nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. You know, the schools can't handle it. There really aren't enough therapists out there. So you're saying that there really is more support in our community than we are actually aware of? Right. And some people hearing this will say, well, no, when my child was sick, I tried everything to get services and I was stonewalled. And that's still true. There are not mm -hmm. enough services, but at least knowing where to ask to get on the waiting list is a big start. And also, you know, I think it's important to mention that we started this segment talking about gun violence. But really, that's very, very rare. And most people, most kids with a mental illness are not violent. They're just having impairment in their day-to-day -day functional activities that the mental illness is getting in the way of. So that's the main target. It's not the violent offender or someone who's going to shoot up at a school. It's kids who are getting derailed from their normal activities. I think that's a very key point right. because we've actually done a number of shows talking about this whole connection between mental illness and gun violence. And in fact, it isn't a very strong connection. You know, yeah. contrary to, you know, the few outliers who actually do carry out these horrific acts, most people with mental illness are not going out and shooting up, you know, shopping centers. What's important, though, is that that puts it on the radar screen for people. It brings mm -hmm. it into the consciousness where people will get behind a mental health first aid awareness because they think that that's something that mental health first aid can damp down, and it will but also it's really gonna help mostly kids who are not prone to that type of violence. Do you think also in working with the uh, youth workers and in training them in this way might also help them in their day-to-day -day responsibilities, apart from this idea of actually um, identifying someone with perhaps you know uh, troublesome behavior, just this type of training seems to me it might be helpful in a, in a more global way or right. a more general way. What's your feeling Just about that? Just understanding what the child may be going through. Um, the knowledge of the fact that the child may have a mental illness definitely creates a lot of empathy mm -hmm. in the worker and that empathetic attitude will help in their interactions with the children. Day to day, even apart from maybe Absolutely. identifying a crisis situation. Even yes. if a first aider never has to use their skill set to point a, to identify a child and point them towards services, just fostering that empath mm -hmm. empathy and that understanding of mental illness that they didn't have beforehand is going to be a good thing. How yeah. about in terms of a crisis, though? Because obviously, when a crisis occurs, everybody probably freaks out. If somebody's having a psychotic, a psychotic break or, yes. or you know, being delusional or what have you, I mean, do you think that the eight hours of training can provide enough of a, at least somewhat of a safety net for that, for that worker and for that child? 
So the idea of the eight-hour workshop is not to replace traditional services. It, it is not going to replace the ER or the EMS providers. The idea is to just, it, it's just like CPR for physical illnesses. How we start the CPR, we call 911 and do CPR. It's the same way. You still call 911, but you're able to deal with the, I mean, handle the person in, or talk to the person in crisis. In an acute, very in acute, an acute situation. Manner. If, you may also be able to say that this is a situation I don't want to, I, I should not interfere. So you assess for safety before you uh, address the crisis. Uh, it is not to replace the emergency room, not to replace the ER, EMS providers. You still call 911 there. Right. Well, what do you see as, as, as um, this has gone on, as we said, through um, funding through SAMHSA, is this going to be something that will continue? Do you foresee something like this? Or is it going to have kind of a short shelf life, so to speak? Well, we're planning and uh, planning towards keeping this going on uh, for a long time, um, at this time at least. Uh, We're in the early stages. We hope that we will show and have deliverables that show that this is worthwhile, this is worth investing in. SAMHSA won't continue to fund it forever, so we're going to have to mobilize other funding sources to get behind this, but we have to demonstrate that it's worthwhile for them to buy into it. To make it self-sustaining on some level. So what have you found so far? I mean, is there any data, either studies that have been done prior to this elsewhere or or any data that you've accumulated that suggests that it's successful? Not necessarily with regard for mental health first aid from my point of view, but the science is very strong to suggest that the earlier you intervene in someone who's having mental health issues, the better their outcome is going to be. The second thing that mental health first aid has um, and other literacy programs have shown uh, is um, uh, a lowering of stigma in the community. So that lowering of stigma h- helps people reach out to services uh, much earlier. Um, and uh, that's been shown for mental health first aid all over the all over the world. Um, we're hoping it'll continue in, uh, we, we're hoping to show the same results in our county as well. And we are collecting data. So when you come for the workshop, we will be sending out monthly follow-up surveys to see how you feel, how you're doing, um, and we will be assessing the change in mental health literacy. Great. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for coming in and sharing this very, very interesting and very hopeful program with us. My guests have been Dr. Stephen Glad, Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Upstate Medical University, and Dr. Sita Ramanathan. She's a psychiatrist with the New York State Office of Mental Health. Thanks so much. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink On Air.